you protect what you love. Hunting is a life, not a lifestyle, it's a life. This is Hunters to show people how great of a job we're doing for conservation, providing for ourselves all the things you and I understand. I think you kind of owe it to the animal that you're hunting to be as prepared as possible. You know, as I get older, I appreciate the laughs and the time and the experience. Hey man, so Eric, welcome to the show. I'm I'm really excited to uh, talk more about powder hook. It's probably I mean it's really really cool so much stuff you guys are doing over there. Thanks, Lake. Happy to be here. Yeah, man. So um, let's just dive straight into it. Um, tell me, I guess kind of go like go from the top. Like tell me where like what's like what started powder hook. What started you to make it? Kind of what y'all are doing and and just everything. I want to know everything I can because I'm I'm super curious about it. Thanks, man. Yeah, happy to. Uh, first of all, I think I need to point out that you're the first and only Lake Pickle I've ever spoken to. So, this- <laughs> <laughs> hey, if you if you talk or, or hear of another one, you let me know because I would love to meet another one. <laughs> yeah, well, you're not going to meet a lot of dingers in your life either. So this I is true. No room to talk. This I is no true. Room to talk. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, so uh, Powder Hook is is a project of a lifetime for me and my family. Uh, I grew up in South Dakota. Uh, some of your listeners probably uh, can picture northeastern South Dakota in the Glacial Lakes region. So yeah. the sign about 200 yards from my house growing up said pheasant capital of the world. And my dad managed the grain elevator and we had all kinds of family in the area. So for me to shoot a limit of pheasants or catch a limit of walleyes was not even an issue. Yeah. Uh, I remember a lot of times, you know, this probably isn't funny for people that don't live in that area of the country. But a lot of times on the way to pheasant hunting, we shoot a limit of pheasant really? <laughs> so it was a pretty special place to grow up yeah i, I was i've never even never even been i've just seen and heard stories and watched videos that sounds crazy yeah. oh man i love it and i love it enough to make sure you love it that's kind of hot where yeah, i've got oh, yeah. my life is, i understand yeah you know the deal so yeah it's kinda oh, like shoot, shooting a turkey right after exactly. you shot a, a few turkeys it's almost more fun to see the next guy yeah shoot that, that's what i was so. gonna say i was like the one because i can that statement i relate that with turkey and i love it so much i like to see other people love it <laughs> yeah yep exactly yeah yep. so big passion of mine is uh upland bird hunting and uh ended up moving to minnesota to go to high school and for the first time in my life uh, I was hit with this idea that hunting wasn't just like a birthright and you don't just get to hunt whenever you want. You don't get to carry your BB gun around at grandpa's house and yeah. your, your 22 doesn't go everywhere with you in the truck. And, and it was really weird because, um, I was always very passionate about hunting, but hunting went from like this daily routine part of our lives to where it became almost like a destination thing where yeah. like we planned trips to go back home. And if we hunted around where we were in Minnesota, I mean, it was, you know, you'd kick up a hen in an all-day hunt, and it was like, God, this is terrible. And it wasn't even, now, to be honest with you, I was completely spoiled, but it wasn't fun compared to, to back home. And so right. hunt, hunting for us became this destination thing. And then I moved down to Nebraska, and it got worse where if I'd go home to Minnesota, we wouldn't hunt much. And then, you know, other than maybe some waterfowl hunting and stuff, but um but even then it became, you know, this destination going back to Minnesota and then all the way back to South Dakota if we were going to hunt. So it went from probably hunting 50 days a year to five or 10 while I was in college because I didn't know anybody at Nebraska when I came yeah. to that, that hunted. So ended up uh, meeting some friends, had a good time in college, met a bunch of people to hunt. So got to got into hunting, got, you know, learned a turkey hunt in college, learned a deer hunt in college because we didn't do either growing up. And uh, yeah. And ended up starting a company my senior year in college that uh, grew for about 10 years after that. And uh, 
had a really nice run with that. It was it was a great company. We sold it uh, with about 40 employees and a few million dollars in revenue. And so it was a nice little business to kind of start. And in a way, it was like an MBA uh, the hard way in my yeah. 20s. And so yeah. for the first time in my life, uh, I had no job. I had uh, a little bit of money in my pocket and could really do whatever I wanted to. And uh, what I did was kind of met with some of the clients I had, I had met along the way and and really sought out what hard problem could I find in an area that I'm passionate about and ended up reading a lot about the access problem and about the, the at the time, what we constantly referred to as it's hard to find a place to hunt, hunt, you know, access is choking hunting. Yeah. And I, and I thought, you know, that's something that a person with a technology background, with a love of the outdoors, that's something I can get really passionate about because I have that problem. Not being from Nebraska originally, not having family with land in the area, it, it was really easy for me to relate to, to the user in that right. I am that person. Right, yeah. And so uh, down the road we went. We picked the name Powderhook, and uh, we we started the business to try and basically f- open up private land for public access uh, basically by renting the land by the day. So take the lease concept that's so popular all over the South and Southeast and frankly, all over the rest of the country now. And imagine that, but by the day, that's what we were trying to do. So that if Dinger and Pickle are out, we see a turkey cross somebody's property, we could scan the little QR code on the fence post or hit a button in our app, cross the fence, pay our 250 bucks. And that's our parcel of ground for the day or whatever. Yeah. 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 So it's it's fun to think about that idea still because it's really obvious to me that idea should exist someday, yeah, right? Yeah. How cool to be driving down the road and hit a button, pay your fee, just like you do on Airbnb or yeah. VRBO or Uber, even you know, hit the button, it's yours. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because well, <laughs> then you could then you could also see if someone had rented that spot out for the day or whatever. I right. See, yeah, or, yeah. Or when yeah. the last time it was hunted or that kind of. Yeah. Thing. But, Which also, side note, you know if we were in this hypothetical situation and whoever saw that the two last names were dinger and pickle, they would probably think somebody was trying to pull something over. They're like, okay, yeah. those are we're obviously, those are not real names. Yeah. We're absolutely there to lose the place. <laughs> sorry. Sorry. You continue. No, I guess I there's no question. The two of us are never going to start a law firm. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, uh, basically spent two years, a whole bunch of money, uh, built a great team, had a nice product, uh, and just we weren't able to make the business go. Just so many challenges, uh, landowners, you know, being distrustful of new people on their land and being distrustful of technology, and then and then hunters being unwilling to pay what a landowner wanted to pay, and yeah, yeah, every problem in between, right? right. So basically, what we did is we spent two years learning what not to do and what doesn't work, and. Uh, about two years ago now, we had to make the really hard decision to basically take almost everything we had built and ditch it. And that was pretty awful. Uh, uh, yeah, I can see where that'd be hard, yeah. You know, you have a lot of blood, sweat, and tears in the thing that you created, A. And then B, you know, you have a team that's built and supported that. You probably got to adjust your team. And, you know, it was just, it was just a really hard time. Um, yeah. What we ended up doing, and, and the thing that kind of catalyzed us to change our business was uh, we were down at the NWTF show down in Nashville, their national convention, and yeah. meeting with some of their leadership. And they said, hey, you know, you guys have this really comprehensive public lands map. So one of the things we've built that we still maintain is 
we've got about 700,000 places to hunt in our app and website today yeah. um, and had it back then. And they said, Hey, you know, turkey hunters need that. And we really would like a way for people to be able to basically document uh, the turkeys they're seeing and, and make posts about the turkeys they're shooting. And can you build us this app? So naturally as an entrepreneur, I said, yes, uh, yeah. <laughs> we, we built some mock-ups um, in the hotel room that afternoon and then went down and walked the floor and sold some sponsorships. And I came home to a team that had never built an app and said, we got to have an app live in 37 days. And <laughs> you, <laughs> you can imagine how that went. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so we worked really hard for uh, a month or better. Uh, several people here worked pretty much straight through uh, for that period of time. And we chucked out the NWTF gobble map. And that went live three turkey seasons ago, about two and a half years ago. Yeah. And it was kind of our first step into the app world. Um, soon after, we built QDMA's Deer Tracker app. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, yeah, which your uh, listeners are welcome to grab either of those. Um, and then we uh, we worked with Delta Waterfowl to design an app called Waterfowl Tracker. And then uh, basically found ourselves with three apps that uh, were not big enough to pay the bills. And this great big powder hook website and brand that we had built spent so much time on and a decision to make about what to do going forward right right yeah so along the way obviously one of the one of the big misconceptions that i had coming into the industry and, and like you probably have learned a lot of this stuff along the way too is because i was an avid hunter i felt like i understood the business and i understood the industry and yeah. that's so completely not true of, of what i experienced coming yeah. in unfortunately yeah that's not true <laughs> yeah you just yeah. you know you think you understand and, and really what we did through the first couple three years was we just learned a ton about how the industry works and you know what works and what doesn't what really are the problems that we can address and what aren't they and Along the way, this this whole movement came along called R three. Lake, have you ever had anybody on to talk about R three? I have. I have not actually. I, I referenced it. I think. Uh, yeah, the actually the yeah the podcast with uh, Chad that came out, uh, Chad Mendez sure. that we talked about it. But no, I have not had anyone talk about R three. So R three is kind of the next generation of of communication um, coming out of the agency and NGO world where. We've always done hunter recruitment. We've always done license sales. Uh, we've always tried to get people out hunting. But these Af the Association of Fish and Wildlife published these numbers that said hunting went from 13.5 million to 10.5 million license sales in the last five years. And so the industry, knowing that hunting is in as steep a decline as it has become, has really looked at R3, or what's called recruitment, retention, and reactivation, as kind of the culture change needed in the industry in order to solve for that declining participation. Yeah, right. So recruitment being what we've always done, right? Introduce kids, introduce adults, do learn to hunt clinics, do hunter ed. All of that is the introductory hunter recruitment stuff. The retention stuff is, uh, many of your listeners probably don't realize this, but your average hunter buys a hunting license 2.2 out of every five years. Wow. So yeah. retention is really about how can we get 2.2 to maybe 3.2 and increase overall license sales by selling more licenses to the same people more right, often. Right, right, yeah. So if you're a like if you're a big turkey hunter in Mississippi, can we sell you a turkey license in Nebraska or a deer license in Mississippi or a fishing license or something else? Right? Yeah, so yeah. kind of a, the business people listening would, would think of that as kind of a cross sell opportunity. 
right. or an upsell opportunity. And then this reactivation thing is basically we think Powderhook, we believe that there are over 20 million living license buyers of which only 10 and a half bought a license last year. Yeah. So what can we do to get the other, you know, nine and change million people who lost their spot or whose dog died or whose hunting buddy, you know, doesn't hunt anymore or who, yeah. you know, moved to a new area and doesn't have access anymore. What can we do to get those people back started? That's the third R or reactivation right, right. piece of this. Uh, so go ahead. I'm sorry. Uh, what, what, um, or where, you know, what brings y'all to believe that there are those 9 million people that used to hunt that didn't, where did, where does that come from? Well, it's it, of course a rough estimation, but uh, 15 years ago there were 18 million hunters in the United States. Yeah. We know that uh, the biggest group of hunters in history is the baby boomer generation, right? Yeah, and the baby boomer is still inside of their hunting years. And so, basically, we think if if somebody's buying a license every 2.2 times or 2.2 times out of every five, and there were 10 and a half million sold then roughly, you know, idiot math says that there are roughly twice as many hunters as people who bought licenses last year. Yeah, okay, yeah, got it. Now, of course, somebody can come out with real numbers and say that's 23 million or it's 19 million, but the point is there's just a whole bunch of people out there. Yeah, 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 I got you, gotcha. Right, many of whom probably listen to your show, yeah. right, that are, you know, I'm a hunter, but I didn't get invited on a hunting trip this year, or yeah, yeah. my lease ran out, or my grandpa sold the land, or yeah. whatever. You there's know, a million there's a excuses, yeah, there's a million reasons why. Yeah. Yep, and so that third R is about getting those people back going, and what what we learned was that the agencies and NGOs and businesses that make their money in this industry really don't have tools to help with that problem, so it's one of these problems where it almost feels like the agency is trying to go it alone in something that really is a bigger problem than what a, a program or what a, you know, a clinic or something is going to be able to solve. It's it's right. something that we think needs technology, just like travel has, right? So Expedia made it really easy to, to buy a flight in a hotel in a, in a cab yeah. uh, or a rental car in the same site well in some ways hunting needs some of that i absolutely so, agree yeah i couldn't agree more with that so that's somewhat what powder hook is working towards we're actually our app we think of as the the hunting help desk or basically it's a whole bunch of tools and opportunity so if you want to find your local ducks unlimited event or the nearest youth hunt you can use our app to find that yeah um, you can use our app to find a place to hunt um, but really kind of our secret sauce lake is we've developed this concept we call digital mentoring. Yeah. And so I'll, I'll just share with your users or your listeners kind of the point of all of that. So yeah. R three is really our inspiration or the, or the problem we exist to solve. We want to create 3 million powder hook wants to facilitate the creation of 3 million new hunters in the next five years. But Lake, if you think about how you became a hunter and if your listeners will think about how they became a hunter, Almost every single time, the answer is my dad or my uncle or my brother or neighbor or aunt or somebody showed you. Oh yeah, invited you. Yeah, right? absolutely. It, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be a hunter. I wouldn't have the career I have right now if it hadn't been for someone taking me hunting. It was I mean, hundred percent. Right, you wouldn't be the person you are. Absolutely, if had somebody hadn't taken you hunting. Yeah. And I'm the same way. And what we believe at Powderhook is that every hunter who was taught by someone else owes that person who taught them showing somebody else. Yeah. 
The yeah. way that you repay your mentor lake is by showing somebody else. Correct. Yeah. And so what our core functionality is in, in Powderhook's app is all about how do we get people started down that path? Right. We're not trying to say you've got to go be a mentor long term and commit to some great big time commitment and sacrifice your own free time. But what we are saying is that everybody who hunts can help somebody else who doesn't yeah, or who wants to learn. And our technology is all about making that easy and rewarding. Yeah. Um, that's what uh, drew me to your to, to the app in the first place. Is, and, and that's why I'm glad that you um, especially highlighted the, the mentor part because that's what I was most intrigued by because that's what I thought um, just in just my own personal opinions and, and kind of looking at everything that like we were talking about. I was like the, the mentoring aspect is kind of I'm not saying it's, you know, the missing piece to the puzzle, but I think it's a big missing piece to the puzzle. Does that make any sense? Like, I think that's... Yeah, the, I mean, yeah. the missing piece to the puzzle, Lake, is you taking your time to show somebody else. Right. To take somebody yeah. new. To dedicate a little bit of your hunting time to making sure that somebody different has a chance. Yeah. That's the missing piece, right? Yeah. That's how you became a hunter, and that's how the next person's going to become a hunter. Yeah. And, and, in the meantime can we do some of that in technology so that while you're stopped at a stoplight, you can do a little mentoring. Right. That's our thought. Yeah, I agree. And, and it makes it easier for those, for us, you know, the people that are already hunters, your app makes it easier for people to do that. Um, and that's what I like about it. And one thing I wanted to ask you about, um, on this topic while we're on this, uh, and just cause I, I don't know what the mentality is like, you know, in, in your part of the world, as far as the hunting goes, but the thing that we run into uh, down here, um, I can speak for, I know for Mississippi and, and probably a good bit of the Southeast, you kind of run into this attitude. And I think we've kind of built it ourselves. Uh, you kind of want to keep your hunting stuff. You kind of want to play those cards close to your chest. You know, it's like, mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, it's the, the mentality can kind of be like, and I, and I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm just, I know I'm generalizing here, so I don't want to make anyone mad, but it, you kind of run into this idea like, yeah, I understand people need to come hunting, but they, they're they not going to come hunting on my stuff. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. You can, It's kind of a, it's almost, it's almost selfish to a degree, you know? And I, I think that's part of the problem personally. Yeah. And it's real. I mean, I, I have spots. I, I'm reluctant to, to just, you know, willy nilly let everybody know where my duck spot is. Um, so the, the mantra that we have is the average person who hunts, hunts 20 days a year, yeah. 20 times a year, right? Yeah. Our thought is one in 10 times, one in 10, take somebody with you. Yeah. That's not a commitment that's completely out of bounds. We're not asking you to give up your honey hole or the place you've been growing deer for 10 years. But every 10th time, would it kill you to go hunt public land or to go take somebody to sit in your duck pit or whatever, just yeah. one in 10? Yeah. I think everybody can do that. Yeah. It's a very, it's a, not only is that a, that's, that's a realistic number, but it's something that obviously in the state of things, it's something that needs to be done. Yeah. I mean, if, if we want, and this is really the inspiration behind Powderhook is I have a five-year-old son and if that, hunter number trend declines at the rate it has over the last five years there's a very real possibility hunting doesn't look at all like what it does now for him I mean, five it's i'm talking yeah. in yeah. seven years is hunting irrelevant to the point where 
our votes don't matter to where conservation is unfunded to where, yeah. you know, there's, yeah, it's a kind of where you, to be like, no, yeah. It's, it's kind of like the same situation that you're I mean, not, not the same, but kind, I mean like in Africa right now, since that stuff, all the stuff got outlawed, the animals had lost their value, you know? So that in, in kind of a different way, that's what's in a, in, in threat of happening here. You know, if you, if there's no use for conservation anymore, then, you know, then what's the point, you know, or that's, that's what could happen. That's like worst case scenario, but that could happen if something doesn't change. Well, ask yourself, you know, are, is hunting, is conservation politically relevant today? Yeah. Or would it be really advantageous for somebody, you know, who's really anti-gun to loop hunters right into the rest of the gun groups right and say you know hunters are just a bunch of gun grabbing you know semi-automatic mowing down hog hunters yeah well we're absolutely not that right how politically advantageous is it for somebody at some point to say and and do that kind of thing and and all of this is not intended to like scare somebody into being a mentor that's not why you do it yeah become a mentor and you you share our way of life because what we do is fun and it's good and it's it raises good kids and it helps center the people that go like yeah. you and I are better people when we're hunting. Absolutely, I yeah I absolutely agree with that. And we share hunting because we want the people we care about to be able to feel that too. Yeah, it's it's a uh, it's just a I don't know it makes you it gives a it's a sense of responsibility I think. Um, and it just, it's like, a, I don't know, a connection there that, That's right. uh, that someone, you know, that the, as strongly as I feel about hunting, you almost feel like you have to share that with somebody else. Right. You know, you have to, cause the thought, like, I don't, the, the thought of hunting not being the same, you know, in, in going back to what you said about your son and, um, you know, the, the, the possibility that, that he faces with the way that it, if, if something doesn't change, I mean, don't get me wrong, um, that's scary to some degree, but to, to more like that's more sad than anything. Like I, I like I would be so sad if that happened. Mm-hmm. Like the house, like it just that's just yeah. That's where I stand on it, and and honestly, like I've got all the chips on the table to stop it. Yeah, but I am one person. Yeah, and your listeners are all one person, and if every person who heard this podcast would just make a mental note every tenth time you go, let's take somebody new. Yeah, it doesn't have to be a kid. It maybe shouldn't be a kid. Statistically speaking, it's harder to make kids into hunters than it is your neighbor who's yeah. got some money and a truck. Yeah, I thought that was a really interesting statistic that we heard off that the R three thing that it was that just that only focusing on kids. Not not that we shouldn't introduce kids, but that we should stop introducing just them. That we need to introduce other age groups as well. Because I right. I, I completely agree with that. But yeah, yeah. So I I'm not sure if I'm the the wheel and the spoke of of the wheel that's gonna just run this thing over or if i'm the canary in the coal mine or what the heck i am but my (laughs) message to your listeners is we don't need to fight about how you hunt we don't need to fight about you know which way is better or which other way is better if you're a hunter i would love for you to shut your eyes not while you're driving but imagine (laughs) the person who taught you that person took time out of their life to make sure that you enjoy this way of life. Yeah. And nobody is going to do that for the next person. If you don't, no one's coming to save hunting. No one, but hunters values this the way we value it. And we got to fix it. Yeah. Yeah. We made the, we, we dug the hole. We got to get ourselves out. And we can, man, we can do that. Oh, it's very doable. Like it's very doable. And, And not only that, I mean, like 
um, just thinking about, you know, the, the, the guy that was, which I mean, I was exposed to hunting, um, you know, central Mississippi. I grew up in, I, I grew up in a hunting family, uh, not like a, mine was kind of like you were talking, it was like the average hunter hunts 20 times a year. Uh, my family was probably a little bit below that, you know, we'd hunt, but it wasn't, wasn't something we did all the time. There was a, it was actually a man that I grew up going to church with, uh, that got me going more, you know, avidly, I guess you would say. And, uh, I still like to this day, me and that guy are close. We're very close. He's mm-hmm. actually, he's actually been on the podcast before because he's one of the best turkey hunters I know. And he's, and he's really good at teaching others how to do it. Um, mm-hmm. but just, just thinking about that. And I mean, not only, I mean, think about just, just through that one experience. Cause like I said, he got me my first turkey when I was t- uh, 12 and, um, there's just been so much in my life alone through that one instance that I can attribute that happened just because of turkey hunting that far exceeds just the hunting part of it. And I mean, there's just mm-hmm. the, you know, the friendship that me and him have now, um, I got to see both his, uh, he has three sons, but one's not one's, you know, very, very young, but his other two sons, I got to watch them kill, kill their, uh, first two turkeys a piece. Um, and then, you know, it just, it led to so many things and that's just through one instance. That's, that's through one instance of him deciding, Hey, I'm going to take this 12 year old misfit kid hunting because he's, you know, cause he wants to go. There's, there was a, probably a thousand other things he could have been doing that day rather than putting up with me, but he did. And that's had lasting effect on my life, you know? So that's right. it's something that I feel very passionate about as well, that I think that, uh, like you said, it's something that is very fixable on our end. It's not like it's an unattainable goal. That's right. I think like a lot of your listeners are pretty avid. And yeah. Yeah. I think the thing that we've lost track of, I know I did for a period of time is I got into this thing where I needed to shoot 170 inch deer. That yeah. was like, I'm going to, I'm going to find the biggest deer. And it really in many ways became all about me. Like if we didn't shoot a limit, when I was pheasant hunting, I was disappointed. Yeah. Like I feel like in some ways, a lot of us lost track of what makes hunting hunting Yeah. because we started doing this for lack of a better way of saying it, dick measuring contest where it was like, you know, we're scoring our deer and my deer, if it's not bigger than the one I shot last year is not worth shooting. It's like, you know, my Turkey is a 60 and your Turkey's a 58. So somehow I'm, a better hunter than you as if right, I had yeah. anything to do whatsoever with that. You yeah. know, it's like, that's just, we know as hunters, we know that's not what this is about. Yeah. And I feel like yeah. whether it was because of, you know, getting to see big deer on TV all the time, or whether it was because of social media or whatever, it became something that's not meant to be. And I think people like you and me need to bring it back where it needs to, where it needs to be. Where yeah. It belongs. yeah, dude, I've had, I had a very big, um, I guess check check myself moment uh, a big like you know mind sobering moment I was uh Jordan and I were hunting I can't even remember where it was uh but we were turkey hunting this spring and uh we had been kind of struggling you know not we just couldn't get things to go our way and we finally ended up getting on a turkey and the turkey that we found it was like the one we were like man where have you been this entire time because we weren't hearing much gobbling it just you know just seemed to not be happening but we get on this turkey and he's just gobbling his brains out and I mean just at everything i feel like you could have pulled out a chalkboard and scratched your fingernails down it and he would have gobbled <laughs> he was just he was you know he was just on fire mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. uh something happened i i'm, I'm telling there's only the only one part of the story i remember is that i mean well no i do remember what happened a uh all of a sudden we heard a hen come in 
and start yelping. Hen got with him and took him away. He was like right out of. We were just to the point of like, all right, we're about to see him, you know, because he, he was kind of in some some uh, pretty dense woods, you know. But he was probably seventy yards, you know. You just couldn't see him because of the leaves and stuff. But then you could hear him going away with that hen, and I got so mad. I was so frustrated that we didn't kill that turkey. I was just, I was just completely distraught. And uh, we were just kind of sitting there, licking our wounds, just sitting there sulking. Me and Jordan, and that I just, I was like, Jordan, man, think about this. I said, me, a few years ago, you know, when I was in high school or wherever, just getting into turkey hunting. You take this same situation that has just happened this turkey gobbling that much and just going crazy and gobbling at all of our calls and getting that close. Had that happened to me when I was in high school, I would have been so excited and I would have been telling that story for the next year. I'd have been right. so happy that that happened. I said, and somehow somewhere along the way, I've lost that to a degree. You know, I'm, I'm sitting here mad, you know, this incredible, you know, th this thing just happened. I mean, it just happened and I'm not even soaking in the experience of it. I'm just upset that I didn't shoot the turkey. And I'm right. like, that, that, that's a problem, you know, and like, like you're talking about, I don't know if that's a result of uh, hunting TV, social media. If I, if I had to guess, it's probably a little bit of both, but that's not, you know, I think that's a, that's a problem. And that's because that's not what our main goal is to be out there, you know, and I've said that before, but I allowed myself to get that way as embarrassing that is for me to admit, but it, that's, you know, when you're out there, you know, that there's so much more and you know this i know you do there's so much more so many more pieces to the puzzle that that add to the gratifying part of hunting than just pulling the trigger and mm -hmm. and that's the part that that i want other people to see you know i don't you know lord for lord forbid i take someone hunting and we don't kill anything and i get that mad about it you know then they would associate well i went out and didn't kill anything i've lost you know this is this is a bad hunting trip when that's not the case at all and uh yeah, it's just a whole mentality that I think, I think I feel like it is changing a little bit, but it definitely it needs to change. Yep, I agree. I agree. It's not about that's the the simplest way I've been able to think about it is when hunting becomes about the hunter, we're doing it wrong. Yeah, I agree. Hunting is about the experience. It's about the people. It's about the place. It's about the animal. It's about the bourbon. It's about the cards. It's about the trip up it's about the planning beforehand but when it becomes like oh i'm not successful or this wasn't a great trip because i didn't shoot the x that i was after right yeah. I, I feel like i feel like we lost it and i think you're right to say to yourself hey you know i forgot to i forgot to notice how cool it was that i got to be with a friend in the woods i got to watch the woods wake up we sat here this morning we talked about god and country and donald trump and hamburgers and you know <laughs> yeah. who knows what yeah but we took the time to be friends and to be right. close to each other I, all of that's the good stuff and absolutely not am i saying don't enjoy the harvest and the kill and the and the pursuit and the want to get better but just keep that all in a line oh yeah and that's i, I told I, I talked to somebody um yeah, I mean, like, if you go out, and I firmly believe it, even though I had to reel myself back into it, like, if you go out and you don't kill something, I don't care if it's an elk, a deer, a turkey, a duck, whatever, if you don't kill something, you're not you're not taking a loss, you know what I mean? That's not what's mm -hmm. happening. Like, that's that's just such a small piece. It's a very gratifying piece, but there's Absolutely, just there's yeah. a lot more to it. And, 
Yeah, that's just that's something I, I I'm very passionate about myself. Mainly because mainly because it's something I've caught myself struggling with myself. Well, the people that are listening to this podcast are probably thinking of the exact same scenario in their lives. And <laughs> my message is absolutely be yourself and be pissed when you're pissed and not when you're not. But just next time you get pissed, remember that you probably don't have to kill that turkey for your family to eat. Yeah, true. And you are a steward of hunting and of conservation, and you, with that, bear some responsibility to keep things in alignment. Yeah, agreed, agreed. There's a lot more to represent, a whole lot more yes. to represent. That's right. Yeah. Um. So, Eric, where, like, tell tell me about, well, one, I know when we put this podcast up, um, we'll definitely link everyone towards Powderhook because I really want, I want to send as much people as I can to go and look at your stuff because it, it's, in, in, as far as hunting goes, it's one of the most exciting things that's happening right now as far as just the whole attitude y'all have towards it is something that is really, um, it's pretty inspiring, I think. But uh, what what is the last thing before, before we run here is, like, what is the, like the future of powder hook, like, like what can people look for or where can they go to look for it? All that kind of stuff. Sure. What, what's on the horizon? Well, I'll take care of the details first. So you just hit powderhook.com. It's gunpowder fish hook is the easiest way to remember it. I'll give my wife a shout out. She came up with the name. That is a pretty catchy uh, powder name. Hook. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. yeah. I hope a million people catch on soon. That'd be great. <laughs> uh, um, so yeah, you just hit powderhook.com, grab the app. Uh, if you've got something to share and you're willing to help others become what we call a digital mentor, you'll see it right there in the app. If you're looking for some help or just getting going, ask a question or participate in our what we call chatter, and uh, digital mentors in your area will come and help you. So a, a very simple example of that would be if you're learning to turkey hunt and you want to know how to use a pot call ask and somebody near you who is already a digital mentor will probably shoot you a video or, or direct you to a link or, or provide some guidance even interpersonally one-on-one -on -one with you to help you learn how to use a pot call and that could be and our big bet is maybe that is the difference between somebody having a good day and a great day outdoors yeah yeah so with that where we're going uh, is we want by the time that the association of fish and wildlife numbers come out again here in four and a half years right uh we want to have had a hand in helping create three million new hunters yeah so everything we're about is is not just how does powder hook create hunters because we don't people create hunters right individuals create hunters we share our lifestyle with people that's how we share it. that's how we make hunters but what we want to do is have a hand in helping make that happen, whether that's introducing you to a new mentor or to a new spot or to a class or to an event or to some people. We want to facilitate your process as if to say, hey, if you want to become a hunter, come on with me. You know, let's not make this hard on you. Let's not make you have to solve Rubik's Cube to become a hunter. Get the Powderhook app and get started. We'll help you. So yeah. my big thing is uh, over the next five years – I hope when somebody says, I'm interested in hunting, or I'd love to go hunting with you sometime, I hope the reflexive response is, oh, we get the Powderhook app. Yeah. Step one. Yeah. Step one. Step one. Get the Powderhook app. That's that's kind of our vision. And, and if we can deliver on that, I think, uh, well, I hope we're able to make a lot of new hunters and, and in the process, a lot of happy and healthy people. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, I, I mean, I, for one, for what my opinion is worth, think you are headed in the right direction. And I'd yeah, like I said, I'm a big fan, a big supporter. But um, 
Yeah, man. So, uh, Eric, I'm, I'm, I'm really glad you took the time to took time out of your day to come and talk with us for a little while. It's obviously something you're very passionate about. So, uh, yeah, man, thank you so much for coming on the show. I appreciate you having me very much. Thanks for making time. Yeah, man, absolutely. Um, so guys, uh, we sign off on this one. Obviously this is a uh, subject that we talked about today that both of us, um, you know, both parties are very passionate about. So I hope that you got something out of this. Definitely go check out the powder hook website and go download the app. If you have any questions, as always, send them in the Facebook, the Instagram, the email, however you need to do it. And as always, thank you so much for listening to the Speak the Language podcast.